Sports Film Podcast. This is Jennifer Matt, executive producer of the Women's Sports Film Festival, where our mission is to provide a platform for documentary filmmakers to amplify the stories of strong, embodied women and girls. The podcast features in-depth conversations with filmmakers and athletes working at the intersection of sport, film, and activism. On this episode, I get to chat with the director behind one of my all-time favorite women's sports films, New Generation Queens. We screened Meg Schutzer's film at our inaugural festival in 2016. Because I believe soccer has the power to change the world, Meg's film plays right into my theory. A captivating story about a women's soccer team in Zanzibar, part of Tanzania, Meg's directorial debut is impressive not only because of the inspirational team, but because she lets the subjects tell their story. Hi, this is Jennifer Matt from the Women's Sports Film Festival, and I'm here with Meg Schutzer, um, a first-time filmmaker, um, new generation queens. And Meg, I just wanted to ask you, open with the question of uh, what what brought you to Zanzibar, for one? Because first, I think you should tell everybody uh, where Zanzibar is <laughs> geographically, and then tell us what what got you there sure. to start your movie journey. Sure. Well, first, thank you so much for having me today. Um, Zanzibar is an island off the coast of East Africa. It's technically a part of Tanzania. And I was working in East Africa for a couple of years, um, helping the Harvard Summer School set up study abroad programs. And I was in Zanzibar for a period of time figuring out this program, and I'm a soccer player. So when I saw how popular soccer was in Zanzibar, I immediately started uh, finding a, a team to play with. And it took me a while to find this girls team. There's one on the island, but um, it was a big part of my time there. One of the interesting things is where did you find these girls practicing? Which field did you find them at? To give you some context, in Zanzibar, every afternoon, starting around 4 p.m., you start to see people playing soccer, and it's like every field on the island is in use. People are playing on the beach. They're playing in the streets. Um but they're all pretty much men's teams. And when I heard there was a women's team, it took a while to find them because they practice on the Zanzibar prison complex. It was the one place they could find a field to play on. Interesting. Um, so what did you do when you found these women and what was their reaction to you wanting to play with them? Yeah, um, they were pretty excited. I think we, we both were, we all were. Um, it was kind of a love at first sight connection. I think that sports are a really powerful connector. And there was something that really, um, I don't know, that resonated, I think, between me and the team. And so language barriers, did you speak their language? Yeah, I actually studied Swahili starting in college. So I was able to speak Swahili with them. And then some of the girls speak some English as well. But once on the soccer field, you could kind of figure out how to play, even if you had a language barrier. Huh? Exactly. So what brought you to, um, you went from working over there and playing soccer, and then um, you weren't a filmmaker at the time. So what made you think, oh, I should make a film about this team? Yeah, there were a couple things. Um, so documentaries had had a really powerful effect on me 
already and I I was really interested in filmmaking but didn't have a background and then in this context I found myself telling absolutely everyone about this team like anyone who would listen I told them how amazing this team was and I told them the story of the team and so I really was sort of motivated to share their story and the girls on the team were really interested in letting other girls in Zanzibar know that girls soccer is a possibility and so there was some synergy there around wanting to share the story and I asked if they'd be interested in making a film with me and the girls on the team were pretty excited about the idea so um, at the time like I said I was working not in film so I went back to the U.S. and I got some funding and found a friend with a camera and we went back and and started the project. Meg, what, what are all the barriers in the way of uh, women and girls in Zanzibar playing soccer, other than the one you already listed, which was access to fields? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's pretty challenging, actually, for girls in Zanzibar to play soccer. Uh, what I heard was that there's a, a widespread cultural belief that women's soccer is immoral. And girls in Zanzibar in general don't play a lot of sports. Uh, there's a big gender difference in terms of opportunities for people. Women are fairly restricted in Zanzibar to the home and maybe selling vegetables in the marketplace, but you don't see women sort of participating in leisure activities um, in public the way that you see men doing. Um, but soccer in particular, for some reason, has this association in Zanzibar with immorality, um, with being against Islam. And so the girls that did choose to play were really going up against both um, sort of their family's wishes for them, but also like the entire community placing judgment on them for playing soccer. Is it primarily because they're not fully covered while they're playing soccer? Is that is that part of it or just... For it, were there other indicators of why it was deemed immoral? Most people who I asked about this, and I asked a lot of people, used the exact same Swahili word, uhuni, which is immoral, to describe what was wrong with women's soccer. But when I did ask that question that you just asked me about sort of what about it is immoral, people struggled to be specific with what it was. I think you're onto something with the clothing there was a sense that girls shouldn't have their knees showing and uh, and then pressure to wear shorts playing soccer from the Tanzania Football Federation. So they were kind of caught between those different those two things. Um, but in terms of clothing, one thing in Zanzibar is that there's a wide range of how women dress and not everyone necessarily covers their head. Um, so there was flexibility and yet some stigma attached to not covering your knees and head and things like that to play sports. So what a culture clash. You meet these women on a prison field, and <laughs> you're uh, thousands of miles away from your home, um, obviously doing being completely independent. You're a white woman um, that seems to have every opportunity. Like, how was that cultural match between you and these women? And then you come to play a sport that you both love. Like how did soccer help, help ease that cultural, um, difference? Sure. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of differences. I think that there's something about women playing sports where we're embracing our strength and maybe our masculinity in some ways. And that can be a real connector. Um, I found that, it was easier for me to hang out with these girls than it would be necessarily in another context where sports weren't involved. There was something about like the power of being athletes together that was a real connector. 
in spite of the differences. Mm. Well, it's such an interesting thing because it's like for, uh, um, for diversity and inclusion, we're always po- pointing at the things that are different. And then you walk out of a soccer field and you're really focused on what you have in common versus difference, which sets the whole tone in a different direction. Um, and what a powerful thing like that. I, I mean, you know, there's been books and things written about how soccer can save the world. <laughs> this is like such, a, such an amazing example of you finding this group and, and making real lifelong connections, it sounds like, with a, a bunch of women that are completely um, brought up, have been brought up in a totally different uh, world than you have. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I mean, not to ignore the differences because they were there, but I think the connection through sport was really powerful. So do you have any connection with uh, any of the members of the team now? I mean, it's been how many years since you made the film? Let's see. Well, I finished in 2015. I think I started filming in 2013. So it's been about five years and I met them even a couple years prior. So I've known I've known these girls for a while. I'm still in touch with a few of them um, in pretty good touch and working on another project with one of them. Oh, great, great. Um, so what's a, tell us a little bit about the film uh, experience. You said you came back to the U.S., you um, got some funding, you found a friend with a camera <laughs> and convinced uh, her to go over to, to Tanzania with you. What, tell us a little bit about that journey of kind of learning how to be a filmmaker. Yeah, it was a learning process the entire way. I think because I was a first-time filmmaker, I was really looking to the girls on the team to be the compass for all the hard decisions. Um, This was a really collaborative project. I knew as an outsider, I didn't want to tell their story in my words. I really wanted them to shape the story. And I really leaned on them in that sense to direct it. And so the biggest part was having them help me decide, okay, who's the intended audience? girls in Zanzibar. Okay. What's the main message that you can be a woman and a soccer player and a Muslim and those are not mutually exclusive. Okay. So I I kind of leaned on them to make those decisions and to really shape the direction of the film and took it step by step, got lots of advice, um, many friends who were very helpful and it was just an incredible learning experience and, uh, far bigger than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And so um, since they said the intended audience was other girls in Zanzibar, um, tell us a little bit about uh, showing the film after it was done in Zanzibar. Right, yeah. So one of the most important things to me was making sure that uh, this movie did show in Zanzibar. And I was able to work with the Zanzibar International Film Festival to set up a series of screenings in rural areas as well as in Stonetown, which is the main town in Zanzibar. Um, so I spent about a week in Zanzibar working with them and with a nonprofit called Coaches Across Continents that, uh, they train coaches on very, on using soccer to teach various different social lessons. Um, and we did a series of screenings followed by soccer clinics for girls across the island. And it was a great way to make sure that the movie got out there to other girls that they could see that soccer was an option for them. And, and so you had one kind of, uh, um, you know, I don't want to give away the movie too much, but you had one kind of pivotal screening in a, in a certain uh, rural area that really, really had an overall effect on that, on girls' opportunities in that area. Can you just tell the story about, about um, how you changed people's mind about letting women and girls play soccer after after the screening? Yeah, that was a really special moment. Um, so we were doing one of the screenings um, in a town called Paje, 
And it happened to be on the very last night of Ramadan. So the entire village was out and actually on the soccer field. That's where they were setting up their celebration. And I um, had been in touch with the village chief prior, um, or in, in Swahili, it's the village Sheha. And we had we had spoken about having a soccer clinic for girls the next day, like we had been doing in the other communities. And he was not willing to let us use the field for girls' soccer based on his personal belief that women's soccer is immoral. And so we kind of knew going into this that this was not necessarily going to be a community that was excited about the sport and the content of the movie. Um, But they were willing to let us show the movie, which was a bit of, I guess, a surprise. Um, So we got there. The entire village was celebrating um, for the end of Ramadan. And as the sun went down and we had our screen set up and a projector, the celebration shifted and the entire village came to watch the movie. And I was nervous about how people would receive it. Um, And in fact, after the movie, there was a pretty heated debate went on for it it seemed like at least 40 minutes of people going back and forth about the morality of girls playing soccer. Um, and finally the village chief came forward for the last word. And I was thinking, Ugh, Oh no, he's going to say something terrible. And you know, we haven't made any progress. And he uh, surprised us all. He did a 180, and he said, um, religion is something inside of you and soccer is a sport And he actually welcomed us to come back the next day for a clinic, which we did. And um, he was really encouraging, wanted to show the movie again. Um, And it was just, it was a powerful experience, not just for me as a a filmmaker, seeing sort of what a film can do. That was amazing. But I think for the girls on the team to see that change was possible, that the people who had been telling them what they were doing was wrong could change their minds was, I think, a really important experience for them to see. Well, well, it says so much about, about the direction and the and the messaging of your film in that you truly reflected them in the film. So everybody that was watching that film in that village obviously saw a reflection of them of them of the girls in their community and and it that powerful message and that powerful view um changed their minds, changed a lot of people's minds and so it's like it's like what they what we say about film is that we say we want to see ourselves reflected in it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so because the way you approach the film, you didn't, it wasn't a reflection of your view, you know, Mm -hmm. because you just said a super powerful thing. Like I never thought of that, that you went over there and you said, who's the target audience for this? It's such an interesting question to ask the people you're making, you know, Mm -hmm. and it sounds so obvious now, but I was like surprised by that answer. And it really makes sense now why your film had the impact it had. I think I was like reaching into the Google depths to find <laughs> advice on filmmaking. And somewhere it said to figure out your target audience. So that's where I got it. Well, and I think people, you know, would know that, but they would think, who's my target audience? Mm-hmm. Like, it's your mm-hmm. film. It wasn't your film. You made the film for them. Oh, it was tempting, though, to to do it differently. I think if I I knew what kind of story that people in the U.S. would want to hear, or people from my community in the U.S., or people that look like me, I kind of knew what they would want, and it would have been so much easier to tell that story and to insert myself in some ways to give it context and to narrate. And it was, you know, I there were lots of things that went either unsaid or said in really subtle ways because I wanted it to come entirely from the girls themselves. 
Um, but there could have been a different film that was about them that would have maybe hit home harder in other ways for people here who don't know Zanzibar. Mm -hmm. But it it would have been a film about uh, a Western woman's uh, uh, portrayal of what she thinks of Zanzibar. <laughs> right. That right? was not the goal. <laughs> well, uh, we, there's a lot of films like that. We have enough <laughs> films of, of Western, our view of what we think of other cultures versus um, reflecting the culture back to them and 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 look at what it did it's just it it so makes sense now like i've seen your movie like four times and <laughs> and and i just didn't get it until right now until you said i asked them who's the target audience and they so wanted all the girls in zanzibar to feel like soccer was available to them right um so it, it's so so amazing it's because we, we always think of like the director, the film, the person who directs the film gets to choose how the message is, is portrayed. And so as a first time filmmaker, it's like you, you made such a very, such a strategic choice for this. Like, um, do you think that's just, <laughs> do you think that's one of the reasons, um, this experience is one of the reasons you're, you're furthering your interest in documentary film? Because I do know now that you're, uh, you're, going to school for it so that's that's in your future or very near future yeah I mean I think so I think that filmmaking is a really powerful tool for social change and I also have to recognize that as a white woman of you know with education and lots of privilege that my voice is not necessarily the voice that I always want to be putting into the world with the movies that I make. And so finding ways to be collaborative, to elevate voices of people who have less privilege is important to me. And so this was a good experience to see how that could be done. Mm -hmm. Not to say that I have not, like, nothing to contribute from my own voice, but I, I want to be able to do both. Mm -hmm. and, and it is really one of the great things of documentary film is that you get a chance to uh, amplify the voices that aren't heard, that aren't. Uh, and, and the movie was also incredibly entertaining and joyful and all those things. Like you didn't miss uh, the audience, the, me as, as the audience here in the U.S., it, it really gave us a sense of, um, of what, what these girls are experiencing there. And it was really ho hopeful. And there was a lot of soccer in it, which I loved, <laughs> you know? So, um, so, so Meg, you've, you've uh, successfully made a documentary film. It's, it's phenomenal. And it's made a real difference in the local community that, that you made it about. And so... Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about like you, you just fell in love with the story. And so then you said, Oh, I got to tell the story. Talk a little bit about make your experience of making your first documentary film. And because we know it's not easy, there's a lot to do. And so give us a little more backstory of all the thought, everything you d did to make this, uh, get this thing done. Sure. Uh, and there was a lot of luck and, and chance in there. Um, so I knew I wanted to do this, and I was fortunate enough to be in school at the time where there were access to grants. And so the first thing I did was apply for a grant for the project that would just pay for a plane ticket over there mm -hmm. um, and for a friend as well who had a little bit more film background. So that was one. Um, we got over there, did a little bit of filming. We, like, it was so low budget. I think we used a shoelace to tie the microphone to the camera. Um, so it was like really just kind of figuring out 
how to work it with what we had. Um, and then we made a Kickstarter while we were over there once we had a little bit of footage and raised a couple thousand more dollars um, that I think just, you know, continued to pay for our expenses. But this was really a project of, of like heart and dedication, not something that necessarily is a sustainable thing to like figure out how you make documentaries. I wouldn't necessarily recommend this to people as, as the way to do it for a career. But in this scenario, um, you know, we were able to do it on, you know, very low budget with friends who were excited about the topic and wanted help and had a little more experience and could answer questions. You know, it was kind of, I was feeling my way through it. Um, did the filming. It took almost a year to translate the footage. We had so many hours of Swahili. Um, so that was probably the biggest roadblock for a while. And then um, it took another year to edit. Um, I did an initial cut myself figuring out the editing software. And then I found Corey Ohama, who helped me to create a better cut, a finer story. And Again, like lots of luck, my job brought me to Tanzania a couple times during that year. I was working for a consulting firm that was doing work on conservation in Tanzania. And so I was over there and I could show the movie to the team. And that was so important to me to get their feedback. But if I hadn't had that particular job or that particular project, I'm not sure how I would have been able to do it. So there was a lot of luck that went into how this movie got made. And, you know, my expectations were that my mom would watch it and that might be it. <laughs> and the fact that it showed in a handful of countries that it went to all these film festivals was just so far beyond anything I thought of when we were starting. And I think it was also helpful to have very low expectations because they kept getting blown out of the water. <laughs> so Meg, you, you finished this film, you thought, oh, you know, I hope my mom will watch the whole thing. <laughs> um, that was your expectation. Um, clearly uh, a lot more than that happened. So um, don't hold back. Tell us everything that happened with the film. Where was it shown? What awards did it win? Uh, what happened? <laughs> yeah, um, it, it's been pretty amazing to see. Uh, I guess I started applying to film festivals when I was just finishing the first cut of it. And I was trying to get advice. People had all kinds of opinions about which festivals to apply to and promise that you'll premiere it here or there. And again, like maybe because my expectations were so low that anyone would watch it, I like kind of didn't care where it premiered. I was just so excited to even think that it would show at a film festival. Like that just seemed like crazy. Um, and it started to get into a couple places and it did, it premiered at the Manhattan Film Festival and it won an award. And even just like, so I grew up in New York City and I, like that night that it showed there to have people wa like watching it was crazy and like paying to watch it. And it just, it was like, it was so cool. Um, and that was the start of kind of a, a year or so of screening at film festivals, but also at, um, a handful of universities where I gave talks with the movie, um, high schools and middle schools where uh, I got invited to do assemblies and to show clips or just talk about the experience. Um, what else? I mean, it was just, it was amazing. And I never would have thought that would happen. So, it, yeah. Well, well, it's it's one of those things is that like now you're looking at it and you're like, if I wanted to make another one, 
you know what's ahead of you. You know what it takes now a little bit. And so, and so, uh, if you wanted to make now you're making you you you've decided you want to event you want to make uh, another more documentary film. So what are you doing to sort of prepare yourself for the next one? Right. Well, I've been saying I wanted to make another documentary for two years, and you know I've started a couple smaller projects, but it's been really hard with a full time job and no real technical training on how to do this to actually make that leap. Um, I recently quit my job and I'm starting a couple of projects and then going back to school actually um, to study documentary film at Berkeley. And so I think school feels like helpful in terms of getting those technical skills, but I wish that I had known, I wish I had some mentors who were in film who could have sort of shown me the way a little bit. It seems like there's a barrier. A lot of people like take that leap on a first film, but don't know quite how to do it for a second one. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely found that to be a challenge over the last couple of years. Yep. Hopefully yep. getting, getting through. Yeah. But I, I still think it's fascinating that I think the first film is such a great way to learn. It's just like, it's like, riding off without training wheels and you're just sort of like figuring it out, falling down a lot. But, uh, but you know, it's, and, uh, no, no experience and, um, no money really. Um, um, during that process, you know, did you ever want to quit? Did you ever want to go, Oh, it's just not going to happen. Not at all. I think I loved every minute of making this movie. I think in part because of loving the topic and the girls on the team, but, maybe because this is like the right career for me. I loved the scramble of getting the interviews, not necessarily always being behind the camera, but like the logistics. I loved that stuff and convincing the radio to come talk to us and things like that. Loved that. I loved the editing. Shaping the story was so much fun. And then getting to share it was also just as good. So like all those pieces were, I don't know, it, it felt right. And mm -hmm. I, I never wanted to stop. So clearly the whole idea got introduced to you because you're a soccer player and you wanted to play soccer while you were over there. Um, so how, tell us a little bit about your athletic career and tell us how does, how does uh, being an athlete help you be a good filmmaker? Is there any correlation between the two? Good question. Um, so growing up, for some reason, I always wanted to play soccer and none of my siblings played. They played a little baseball. They weren't really that into sports. I was like a total jock from a young age and had to sort of beg to play soccer. And starting when I was around nine or something, um, my parents found a team nearby, but it was a boys team. And somehow they let me play with them, even though I wasn't very good. And I played on this boys club soccer team for like three years and it really shaped, um, I think it shaped some things around like work ethic and humility that have both been helpful and that I want to shake. Um, I think the, I think humility is so important in terms of filmmaking because you aren't the expert on someone else's life. You're there to pay attention and sometimes to be quiet and, you know, try and hold things together. Um, and on the other hand, I think that it got so hammered into me as a, as a girl to just try and fit in that that's the part I'm trying to shake and really embrace being myself and like having, you know, more presence. Um, I think that filmmaking is another place to do that because you really do get to shape 
the story that you make eventually. And, um, yeah, so I think those were pieces of that experience that really, like, shape who I am today. I don't know if that was very eloquent. No, but you get you get to, like, when you're in charge, you're the director, and you were essentially the producer of this film also, you got to shape the whole thing. So it, it basically gave you a test drive of being in the driver's seat, you know? Mm-hmm. what? There's no better way to shake the I got to fit in thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So what a great experience. And, and, and we, you know, we at the film festival believe that there's this great correlation between uh, being involved in sports uh, at any level really helps women in their careers in whatever they do just because you learn how to work with a team, you learn how to practice. I think Mm -hmm. the word practice is like such an important thing, you know, and we take it for granted, athletes take it for granted, but like in corporate America, I find it so funny when I run into people who have never been in sports, they don't understand the idea of practicing something before you go do it. Right. (laughs) And also just embracing like female, like women's strength and Mm -hmm. like tenacity and those kinds of things that are really helpful when you're trying to convince someone to be in your movie or you know doing something like that part that I said before around like the scramble of getting interviews and things like that I think sports kind of it like gives you a sense of what that can feel like to really be pushing yourself to be taking risks and um that's something I love about film there there was a scene in the movie I just I I think it's also in the trailer is that you know this woman was probably like 20 yards out and she just had a it was a perfect kick you know right at the top of the bar and you know it's kind of a makeshift goal or whatever but the reaction on her face is the same reaction to anybody playing soccer anywhere you 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 make a shot like that you are like the queen of the world you know and I was just you you saying that I'm just like she makes a shot like that. And even in her, you know, maybe restricted opportunity or whatever, she feels the same joy that any one of us would feel, you Mm -hmm. know, and it, it's a huge confidence builder Mm -hmm. when she walks off the field, you know? So, but it it was great to see that because I was like, wow, people, if people, if, if girls played soccer everywhere, they, they have a chance to feel that great feeling. Yeah, it was, it's interesting. I think I always used to think empowerment is such a cheesy word and then I saw this team and what soccer was doing for them and it was like oh this is you know the embodiment of empowerment like these girls are like sports is it's doing something for them and I could tell just compared to the other women in Zanzibar how powerful an effect soccer was having on like who they were as they moved through the through the town as they got on the bus like Mm -hmm. it just had such an impact and in spite of our differences that we've talked about earlier that was something that I really recognized in how sports had sort of changed my life as well and so where can people see the film now yeah um it's available on Amazon Google Play and um Vimeo Pro right now so we'll uh, we'll put all that information into the show notes so everybody can find it and find you um just tell us like where can they find you online uh, uh like uh, if they want to engage with you online social sure yeah well the website for the movie is newgenerationqueens.com that's the name of the the movie and the team um and then you can find me on twitter at m schutzer and on instagram at mega jet lag <laughs> thank you meg this was great yeah thank you so much who are you to stand so tall
Thanks for listening. Check out our show notes at womensportsfilm.com forward slash podcast. This episode was edited and produced by Meg Schutzer. Music by Shell, S-H-E-L. You can find more about them at shellmusic.com. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Positive reviews are greatly appreciated.